Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Susan, creator and founder of Shared Teaching. And today you're listening to episode number 27, where we're talking all about new teacher overwhelm and what to do to prepare for the coming year. So the first thing that I'm always going to say is to start with your classroom management, because that is the most important, most essential part of any classroom is to make sure that you have a good, solid foundation with your classroom management. You want to make sure that that includes how you've set up your room, the organization of materials, What are you organizing for yourself and what are you organizing for your students? You want to make sure that that all has a flow and works really well together. And you also want to think through all your rules and procedures. This is especially important because on the first day of school, you don't want a student asking you, well, can I go to the bathroom, but you haven't worked through your policy yet. So are you going to have only a boy and a girl go at the same time? Does a boy have to go with another boy? Can they go alone? Do you have a restroom in your classroom? Do you want them just getting up and going in the middle of class during lessons? So you really want to think through all the procedures, and there are a lot of them. If you don't have it yet, there is a book from Harry Wong that I believe is the first few days of first few days of school. I should have looked it up before I started. (laughs) Um, I will link it in the show notes, but it's a really good book. It's been around for ages and it never never hurts to give it another run through and read through it before you start a school year. I'm in my, I want to say 13th or 14th year of teaching and I still look at this book occasionally, especially as I'm thinking through the beginning of a school year, because I don't want to leave anything out. And each school year is very different. That's part of the reasons why I like teaching and I've been doing it so long. No two years are ever the same, especially this past year we just had. But in general, no two school years are ever the same. So you really want to make sure that you've mapped through your rules and procedures. Harry does a really good job of going through many different ideas of what you should think of for your routine. So I highly recommend that book, even if you just pick it up at the library and peruse it for that particular section. I also have two courses that will help you figure this out. So the first one is a free email course, and it is five days, and it walks you through teacher organization and student organization, from what to do with all your papers, to how to grade, a system for collecting papers and passing them out. So that's a good program to look at. And then also I have a paid classroom management course. It's called the Classroom Management Adventure, the CMA. 
and that one is a very cheap price at the moment. It's less than $30, and it walks you through figuring all things classroom management out so that you have a very tailored, very customized plan that's going to work for you and your management style. Okay, so number one is starting with your classroom management. Make sure you figure that all out. If you do nothing else this summer, work on your classroom management plan. Number two is to try to rely on your new team. Now, of course, you don't want to bother them and (laughs) become a nuisance, but they are a team, and so they're there to help and support each other. And so usually there's at least one person on the team that's willing to kind of take you under their wing and help you out. And so the things you should be asking them about are uh, curriculum mapping. Does your school have it? Do they as a grade level have it? Because that is going to help you figure out what your lessons are going to be, especially in the first few weeks of school, knowing when exactly you're going to hit the books, let's, let's say, and start with maybe you have a basal series or a particular curriculum program that you have to use. They're going to be able to tell you when you have to start those. So you might have a little bit of wiggle room the first couple weeks to just go through classroom management information, and maybe your team is very consistent and they work together on that. So you need to have a conversation with them about curriculum mapping. You also want to know, going with the first week, is is there a set routine? Do all the grade level share the same ideas and philosophies between what to do for your procedures on restroom, taking breaks, recess time, any of that. Maybe there's a school-wide policy about things like that. So it doesn't hurt to ask. And then you also want to know, do you have to be on the same page teaching-wise as your team, or do you have some flexibility? It's becoming kind of, I don't want to say a trend, but it's becoming more the norm now that principals really want to see consistency among grade levels, especially if there's siblings within the grade level. They want to know that you're roughly on the same page, teaching the same content at the same time. So parents that have siblings in the same grade level but not the same classrooms are getting the same information sent home. You also want to know, is that team willing to let you ask a lot of questions? And if they seem kind of hesitant or they're not really responding back, then you want to look for Facebook teams or even another team at your school that might be more willing to take you under their wing. So two years ago, I moved and started at a new school district. And my team was okay, but I found that the third grade team was way more willing to share and offer their expertise about the school and very particular information about how the school runs programs and things. So I found myself going to them for my questions a lot more than I went to my regular second grade team. So that's always an option as well. Okay, so number one was start with your classroom management. Number two is Usually you don't get your class lists until right before it's time for the meet and greet or the back to school orientation, whatever your school wants to call it. But sometimes you get it a little bit early. But I like to number my students, and I've talked about this before. So every student gets a number. It makes it very easy to pre-label things and not have to worry about your class list continuing to change. I'm on a very fluid 
environment with my Title I school. So kids will come and go. My roster will change. I don't even know how many times. And it won't even be solidified the first week of school. So I stick with numbers. I do have things like name tags that are labeled with student names. But things that we're using consistently, like book bins, like math books, writing books, those will all be assigned a number. So each student will have a specific number. So number one, which generally has a last name of A in the alphabet, (laughs) will always get all the number one books. They are the number one person. And number two, you know, will go on, so on and so forth. So create a system that works for you for how to label things. You want to label tubs and containers. So any kind of bins that you have for turning in, put a label on it. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be handwritten or it can be typed and laminated. There's some really cute ones on Teachers Pay Teachers. Or you can just simply make your own and you can just make a set of labels for what fits you. So for example, I have Sterilite three drawer organizers and I have one that says file, copy, and file, copy. I'm forgetting the third one, of course. (laughs) Always happens when I'm recording an episode that I suddenly draw a big old blank. So anyway, I have three three drawers that I label. And so the things I need to file, I put in the file, the things that I need to copy, I put, oh, the third one was great, of course. (laughs) So I can easily just take that whole drawer out and take it with me. So let's say I want to go out to the lounge and sit in the lounge during my prep. I can take that drawer and just grade papers from that drawer. So think of a system that works for you. And that's something that you're going to label. I also have um, just a really cheap dollar dishwasher bin and on that bin I just put extra copies so when I pass out copies and I you know made too many or somebody was absent I just throw that in the bin and then they stay in there until the end of the week and then by the end of the week I figured if nobody needed those extra copies they go and they get recycled so think of things like that. You want to make sure you label your library books if you're going to have an organization system for your library materials in your classroom. Student mailboxes. For my student mailboxes, I use book bins, and I got some really nice black ones from Walmart, and I know they also have very colorful ones. The rainbow ones that are like red, orange, yellow, green, and maybe blue and purple. I can't remember. I think it's a set of five. And I found them pretty cheaply at the end of the back-to-school sale with Walmart. And so I got all black ones, and then I just, again, used that student number. So I label mine 1 through, I think I have 22. I don't know my current list, though. So I always try to make, I'm making at least 25 sets of everything right now, just so the students, when they're moving in the middle of the year, I already have done for them packets that I can pull out that is like, welcome to the classroom, All that back-to-school materials that parents need is ready to go at my fingertips. So that's what I use for student mailboxes. I also have a set of hanging file folders. So I have purchased these very slim, clear file boxes. And I've labeled those with letters of the alphabet. So maybe my first set is like A through C. So a student whose name begins with A, B, or C will be in that file folder. They'll have their own file folder with their name on it. 
and I simply drop their graded papers in that file box, and then they pick them up when it's time to take them home. This works especially well for older students. I don't know if it would work super well for kindergarten and first grade. I mean, when you train them, surprisingly, they do really well with a lot of things. So you can definitely try it with the younger kids, but maybe do a picture for their name instead of their name if they're having trouble write, um, reading their name, especially if they're early kindergarten. You might want to just have picture on the labels so that they know like, oh, that's my name. I don't happen to have cubbies at my school, so I use the file boxes. And then I just lay them across the top of this shelf that goes underneath the, or goes on top of the book bag hooks. And so that's my mailbox section. So the students look at their file folder. If there's anything in there that I've returned graded, they can pick it up. It also stays private because I'm the only one that puts the stuff in the graded mailboxes that students can pick up. And so that is prepping and label. So oh, we also want to think about master copy sets of papers. So things that you know you use all the time, you want to make sure you have a copy of them. And you want to maybe file them in a specific spot like for instance I have my spelling program so my spelling program has 44 spelling lists and they're differentiated so students are moving fluidly through them throughout the year so I have a master set of those lists that are in a file folder so when I run out of let's say the number 11 list then I can just take from my master set and go make some more copies and then I just know that I have it when I need it other people prefer to make their master set of copies as a digital file, which you can do as well. Um, I'm old-fashioned. I like to have actual paper at my fingertips, which can be a little bit more to manage, but that's how I prefer it. So that's what I do. Okay, so number one was you want to start with classroom management. Number two is you want to try to rely on your new team. Number three is you want to make sure you're prepping and labeling as much as you can. And that's really going to come to play with, as you've used number one, to think about your routine, your organization and materials. You'll know what you need to prep and label by the time you get to number three. Okay, number four is you want to start thinking about the first week of school. You always want to over plan. Sometimes our judgment on how long things are going to take takes way less one year or way more time another year. We never know how it's going to get with a new group of students. Maybe this group of students are amazing at cutting and coloring and they do things very quickly. Or maybe they want to take six hours <laughs> to do one quick little interactive notebook page. So it's really best to over plan. And you want to have extra things like read alouds, quick activities, maybe a coloring sheet that has some kind of academic component, you know, like those color the number sheets. Kids like to do those, so if they finish their work early, there's something for them to do, or just simply have them grab a book from the library. But make sure you've thought of that, what to do when kids are not finishing all at the same time, because that will happen. It's a classroom, and no two kids are ever alike. So you will have those fast finishers. You will have those really slow kids. So think through how you want that to go in your classroom, because remember those first few weeks, you're setting that tone and expectation for how the rest of the year is going to run. So you really want to make sure that you have thought through those 
pieces. Okay. Um, you also want to make sure that you've thought of brain breaks. So you want to make sure to have some of those worked in through your class. So you're creating a plan for read-alouds, extra activities, brain breaks to throw in when you notice they start getting restless. And then, of course, you want to make sure you plan to actually go over the rules. You want to practice them way more than you think you need to. You're going to repeat, 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 repeat. Every time you're going to line up, you're going back over the rule on lining up. If they don't do it, they sit back down, you try it again. So if you're going to go leave to, let's say, go to lunch, make sure you give yourself like 10 to 15 minutes extra time in case they don't line up correctly the first time. And if they do it amazing the first time and you still have a lot of time left to get to the cafeteria, then maybe use that extra time as you walk through the school to talk about like, okay, and here's where we find the library or here's how we walk in a line outside of our door. So you're filling that time with something meaningful. You also want to make sure you're building in time that first week for some kind of social emotional learning. And I know that's become a really big thing right now. And it's always been around. We just didn't really have an SEL category per se. So you want to make sure that you're building in time where they can meet each other, learn each other's names, work in groups. If your class is like mine, many of them have not seen other children in person in quite a long time. They might have only seen them on a computer screen in a little tiny Chromebook screen as a little thumbnail picture, and it might not have even been their video picture. It might have just been like whatever they put as their profile picture. So they might not even know what each other looks like. They might have talked to them all last year, but maybe they don't know who they are. So you really want to make sure you're building in time to get to know each other. Nothing is worse than when you get through many weeks of school and a kid looks at you and you're like, well, who do you want to play with? And they just kind of point and they don't even know their classmates' name. So make sure that you spend time with them getting to know one another, learning their names, how to work in groups. That's going to be crucial this year, I believe. And then the last thing I have is you want to make sure to spend some time cutting and laminating, right? Because you're prepping things, you're labeling things. The last thing you want to do for the summer, if you have time, is cut and laminate, prepare things. So... My best tip is that not all things need to be laminated, okay? I went through a phase where I wanted everything laminated. It just looks so nice and pretty when it's all shiny and new and plasticky. But then if you start thinking of what it does to the environment, it's really not good to laminate all the things, okay? So take care with what you're going to laminate. Instead of laminating, maybe you can put it in a page protector sheet. I really like the heavy duty ones from, I believe it's Office Depot, which is very similar to Staples and it says heavy duty on it. It has a really nice thickness and you can use a white erase board marker on it really well and it erases very cleanly. And I use those for my month long summer school program no issues and this was students going into first grade so end of kinder going into first using these heavy duty page protector sheets daily and sticking them inside a desk and they did really well with them and I have used them in the past for other things too but I just wanted to point out that we very consistently used them this past summer 
and I really liked it. And they had the appropriate sheets in there. I was able to give them a different copy at one point, and they were able to put the new copy in and use that as well. So that is a really easy way to not have to cut and laminate it. When you do laminate things, like um, for instance, word wall words and alphabet posters, and you laminate them and you hang them up, sometimes the glare from the lights in the room make it very hard to see for students. So I actually prefer to print mine on cardstock and hang it up, and then it's visible easily. There's no glare on it. So kids don't have to kind of move around to try to see it because of the lights. And you also want to make sure that whatever you print that you're going to be laminating, let's say as posters, you want to kind of put it on a wall and walk away. Pretend you're in a classroom. And if you're in the classroom, do this. Walk to the back of the room. Can the kid in the back of the class see that clearly? I've seen way too many posters made that look very cute. But when they're just regular paper size and then they're posted on the wall, it might be really hard to read. So you want to make sure things like your rules posters that you're going to be seeing every day are very big and large and can be seen across the room. I specifically made my schedule cards to be very big, bold letters so you can see them across the room. I did the same thing with my standards when I do my I can posters. They're printed in a very large font so that I can still read them when I'm across the room. And so you really want to check on that. So those are the five things that you want to do for your new teacher preparation and to help kind of combat that new teacher overwhelm. Number one is to start with classroom management, getting all that set up and thought through. And if you need help with that, in the show notes, I'm going to link to my free email organization course and also to my paid classroom management adventure course. You're more than welcome to check those two things out. Number two is you want to rely on your new team. Ask them about the curriculum mapping, set routines, flexibility. Can you ask questions? Where can you find a team that's going to support you if it's not going to be your school team? Number three is to prep and label as many things as you thought of for organization of your materials and your routines in step number one. Number four is to think through your first week and make sure you have over planned it and planned for brain breaks and especially going over the rules and learning each other's names. And number five, last but not least, is thinking about cutting and laminating. Not everything needs to be laminated, but the things that are laminated should be big, bold, and easy to see from across the room. That's it for today. I hope you really enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for new episodes each and every Wednesday. I'll see you then. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes, so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. 